0: Welcome to Hummingbird, a weekly conversation about identity, Celtic and Métis, healing and wellness, the spirit of place and the pull of mystery. We linger in conversation about things at the center of our creative work and life.
1: We respectfully acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the treaty and traditional territories of many nations, including the Anishinaabeg, the michisagi Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Wendat peoples.
0: These lands are now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples, and are covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit and the Williams Treaty treaties to peaceably share and protect this land through friendship and respect. We thank those who have cared for this land, and we are grateful for the opportunity to live here and connect through conversation.
1: So before we get into the conversation, I just want to take a moment to tell you how grateful I am for your friendship and for this time we get to spend together each week. I just love you so much, Catherine.
0: Oh, Jessica, I'm hugging you right now. Can you feel the hug? (laughs) I feel it. (laughs) <laughs> I feel the hug back. Thank you. Oh, I, I I feel the same way. And I'm just so grateful for the space that we have on the Hummingbird podcast, because it really... It helps us be together because our lives are always so busy that this gives us a focus, much like the red hummingbird feeder that attracts the hummingbird. It attracts us in this podcast to be together. So thank you.
1: What a gift to be able to come together, talk about things that we love to talk about, and just to spend time with a friend. I'm just so grateful for all of those things. And we had a little chat just before we turned our mics on and started expressing some of this love and gratitude. And so that's why I thought we should bring that in. We should just bring that in and start that way and I just think that's a lovely way to start anything is just to be grounded in what you're grateful for and grounded in why why you do the things that that you do. And today we're going to look at the blackout that we started talking about last time, which is when all the light goes out. So we've just brought the light in and now we're going to turn it off
0: <laughs> and see what happens. Yes. That's right. A bit of back and forth right there. Lights on, lights off, blackout. Here we go. (laughs) So in the last episode, I had
1: shared a poem from my collection, The Thing with Feathers. And the poem was called Act One, which was a poem for two voices. And it ended with the word blackout, which for those who are familiar with stage directions in the theater, that means that all the lights in the theater turn off. It's dark. And it can be really unnerving sometimes, both when you're on stage and when you're in the audience, when everything goes dark like that. And since we were talking about creative spaces and how to enter into creative spaces, what our work is like while we're within them, and then how to leave them, we've kind of been in that area for the last couple of episodes, we thought it would be interesting to just go a little bit deeper into what the blackout is and how that might relate to the creative process and, and to experiences that we've had with our own work.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll turn to the dictionary now and just even remind listeners of some of the various ways that the word blackout can mean. And one is a failure of electrical power supply. Two is a suppression of information, especially when imposed on the media by government. Three is a temporary loss of consciousness. And then thinking about the connection to theatre, how you can be transported from one scene to another. And I think that one really connects to the creative process and that transport that we talk about even in getting into the creative space that we've been spending some time exploring and then when thinking about from one scene to another, how we do need these moments of transition and how moments of transition can be small moments like pauses or extended periods of time. And I think that can be part of where the creative process can take us in those gaps that we don't necessarily have control of all the time. In a theater production, of course, there is that sense of how long the lights black out and how long it is until they return. Usually, I guess, Jessica, it would be like 15 minute intermission. (laughs) People can do their thing and come back to their seats. But in the creative process, you might want 15 minutes, but the creative process might have days, months, possibly years before it speaks to you in the way that it is going to. So there's different ways to sort of, as we've talked about, get back into the creative space and thinking about that. I'll just open it up to to see if there's anything you wanted to say about any of the previous definitions that I've just rattled off or I can share more about one of those gaps in my journey so but I'll turn it to you for a moment Jessica. No that would be great so
1: of course I'm writing notes as I always do and when you were reading the definitions the first three definitions the words that stood out for me were failure suppression and loss.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: when we think about blackout, it's interesting because my mind also went to dark negative places initially with the process. But then you added the tilt that we talked about in the first episode. And you talked about in theater how it's being transported from one scene to another. And I thought, well, now there's nothing in there that I can take away that's dark or negative or heavy or oppressive. That sounds really (laughs) lovely to be transported from one scene to another. And so it made me think about how... Sometimes even the way we look at something and that discomfort as being not good, it's really okay because it's leading us to something else and that transportation to something else. You also talked about the moments of transition and I love that because there's the moments of transition from one project to the next, but there's also those moments of transition within one project from the time you get the idea to the time you start putting it on the page there's a transition to the time you send it out in the world to try and connect it with the right publisher that every step of the way there's these these moments where it's dark What I find with a blackout in the theatre is that it's usually quite brief. They usually last, they might even only last seconds. Sometimes it might be up to two minutes, but it's never for very long. And what they'll do, for example, at intermission is the stage may remain dark, but they put up the house lights, which are the lights that are in the audience, so that you can find your way to the washroom. You can find your way and then you come back and then it goes completely dark again to help us transition from that break right back into the world of the show. And so I love the idea of us looking at blackout as being both the transition, as well as that moment where it's so dark, our human doubts come in, and we start thinking about failure, we start thinking about suppression, and we start thinking about loss. I'd love to hear your story.
0: Thank you for that. Yeah. It's interesting when certain words pop out, like you shared failure suppression and loss, which do actually feed a lot of the creative process in terms of what we write about to understand them and realize that they're just part of a, a bigger picture. And thank you for bringing in the tilt. Sometimes there's words that just want to keep rattling off in our discussions. And, and I think tilt is one of those words. And it's a fun word, it, it the way that the T begins the word and ends the word. And it sort of has that tilting sort of quality within it, just how it sounds. And that idea of being transported, almost like you're a passenger then. So it's like you're, you're moving, but you're not necessarily the agency behind that moving. So it's an interesting place, I think, of trust as well to be transported from one place to another, that that vehicle of transportation will get you there safely. So a lot can be just be packed or be part of all of what we've been speaking about. But I'm thinking too about sometimes in those gaps that we have before we enter back into a creative space, they can be decisions that we make ourselves. And I remember Mm -hmm. years ago, when I had completed my first book, Pupa, and it was published with Insomniac Press and that's when I was working with Paul Ramirez who I'm still working with if i remember correctly i remember him saying to me about well why don't you take a break and i think he gave me an actual challenge of say 60 days this is where i wish i had kept a journal to have these specifics down <laughs> and but you know i'll just make it up as i as i go along here i think it was 60 days and sounds good, right? <laughs> so he said, just don't write for 60 days. Give yourself a break. Give yourself that transition space from one project to another because there's the excitement, of course, of finishing a project. But as creators, we we want to be in the next creative space. We we enjoy being finished, but we want to know what's next. At least I find that that's the case for me. And I'm much happier when I'm in that creative space than when I'm grappling for the next subject or what it is the next project that I need to do. I thought, okay, well, that's kind of its own project to not write. So I thought I'll take that on. I generally keep a notebook in my purse and I remember, you know, on my days out there, I'd be putting things down into my notebook but I think even at that time I wasn't even doing that so much and I might not have even had my notebook in my purse because the memory that I do have is being in a library often I would just go and check out the books and even if I wasn't going to take them out I'd sometimes just sit and read a poetry anthology or just to get my poetry fix and I liked that way of opening up a book and seeing what came to me without sort of knowing exactly what I was gonna open up to. I was reading through some anthology. It just sparked something in my mind. As poems often do, I think I spoke about this, it was either the last episode or the episode before. I think it was the last one because they all blend together now, (laughs) which I don't think is a bad thing. But I remember in, in that moment of thinking, there's a poem, it's just like in my head and I don't have anything to write it down on. So I didn't have my notebook. And I don't know, I I went rummaging in my purse. And I must have had a scrap piece of paper of some kind. So I, I just wrote down what wanted to come out. And the poem actually ended up being in the next book, The Red Element. And I shared the the title poem in one of the previous episodes. So this poem is in it as well, too. And it came out pretty much fully formed. And I didn't make the sixty days, Jessica. It was I don't know, might have been forty
1: one. <laughs> I wondered about
0: that. I was going to ask you how'd that go? Because no, uh, I failed that I, every I, day. I, I blacked <laughs> out on that one, but uh, but I did get a poem, and it was fascinating to me to see how my body and everything that was it within me had to like go with this it was like a I don't know I think about spring when things just pop out of the ground it was just like boom here it was mm. just wanting to move in and out of me and how the the poem that I read which I can't remember what it was but there was something in the poem that brought this to mind and it made me think of how so much of what we know and the wisdom that we know is held through our body and in our body and it has its own wisdom in the way I think our body is very much like poetry in the way that it uh, holds so many things and is a mystery. This is the poem, and it's titled For a Lost Stepdaughter. Somewhere on the bone ladder of your back Lies the tickle of my index Crisscross applesauce The shiver remembers I used to love that game, but there was
1: something creepy about it that I could never quite understand. And so the way you have captured it here reminds me of that feeling. And it makes me wonder who is this lost stepdaughter? And who is drawing on her back? I feel that there's part of the story that I'd like to be brought into. And I also feel that even though you've told your story about how it appeared to you and how it came out of a blackout moment, it reminds me of the jar that we talked about last week too. Apple sauce is something that you often jar. That's part of how that works. And the shiver... When I think about the types of things that I explore with the metaphor, it's that feeling that you don't quite understand, so the shiver, and you put that in a jar and you hold it up to the light to try and have a better look at it. And so I, I'm curious just to learn more, is is this a poem that's meant for us to explore the story within our imagination and try and, and make those pieces together, or is there more to the story here?
0: Well, I'm really thinking about that last line. I know the listeners can't see it, but it's a four-line poem home. And the last line, the shiver remembers. And I'm thinking how so much of what we experience is through the body. And oftentimes when we're close to people and life changes, and then people become a memory, and we have something of who they are, and who they were to us only through memory, but yet how something within the body can be triggered to to bring that memory back. And how the body in and itself, in that game, as you say, I'm trying to think how it goes, I drop an egg on top of your head, I drop another egg on top of your head, and then you play with the Something yolk.
1: about the yolk down falling down, the down,
0: right? Yes. And then you just do this sort of run, and part of it is crisscross applesauce.
1: Spiders. There's spiders, spiders too. Spiders crawling up, crawling up your back. back. Something tight. See, I'm getting Some shivers while agrees. we're talking now about it. Now you get the shiveries. <laughs> <laughs> It. I think we got it.
0: Yeah. Isn't that interesting That's- that we started in this sort of virtual hug, which is a yes, you know, and now we're we're shivering. So it shows shows you how powerful the body can be when you link to memory, when you link to a a, a childhood game like that, and. How there is sort of there can be comfort in that as well too, but yet at the same time we think of shivers during the time of what we're entering now, Halloween and that spooky quality of of (laughs) shivers, and so there's a charged energy with shivers, and they can be positive things or they can be alerts. You you don't go in that room because that's where the killer is. So oh my god, yeah. (laughs) uh, So just all of those words working off with memory and body and. Thank you for bringing it up. To the memory of our last podcast, where we talked about the jar and how that was working within your work, and how that's a metaphor for so many things that has been part of your journey as a poet. That idea too of how a jar can hold a multitude and endless things within it, even if it's just air, because there's almost like the quality of needing to put something into a space and mm-hmm. letting it sit there. But in sitting there, it can ferment. It can make things on its own sort of way with what you put into it and what sits there and and then what can speak to us going back to being transported from one thing to another and then the jar opens up and there's some more material to to talk about with where we're going as writers
1: and I love how you've mentioned the bone ladder of your back really brings it into the body and that body memory and that connection to the tickle of my index and I think about how you index your body memory just as you're you're talking here and where Mm -hmm. where things are
0: stored Right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting when you look at a word index, it starts to look just strange there, doesn't it? (laughs) Some words just you use and then you look at them again, and it looks like this strange little insect on the page, doesn't it? Well, I, I I that's not where my mind went. I think you're thinking of the spider in the poem probably. That's I don't probably know where
1: you've gone with that, but maybe uh, I'm ha-
0: having some like little uh, word trip trip uh, experience here, Jessica. Maybe.
1: But but the but the idea that you've you've brought in here is that even in a period of blackout, whether we're talking about the theater or the creative process, the lights always come back up. Yes. And so I wonder if maybe our next step then is to read act 2, the next poem in my little series and to see what happens when the blackout ends and the lights come up and maybe that will take us somewhere in oh, our conversation definitely
0: sounds great. great
1: act two lights up i drape on a couch like psychiatry jar writes at a desk i lean to see what are you writing think of the glass worry jar i will need more lids what if
0: someone finds all this jar stands gestures me to join Shells of glowing jars. We are all ajar. I close my eyes. What if I'd rather hide, paint glass walls to sleep? What if I were a box, shipped across the world, buried in dirt, incinerated, burned or recycled? Send me a postcard. Today, a worry jar. Tomorrow, questions. When can I trade for jam? Worries need to go
1: somewhere. I choose Paris. Blackout there's that blackout again.
0: (laughs) It's coming back.
1: So this poem, things get a little darker in their relationship, I find, right, a little bit more tension, it's getting a little bit more real. So in the beginning, it can feel that way. I find with writing too. you start out, and it feels good to start writing things down and to explore different forms. And then one day that memory opens up, that shiver opens up and things start to get hard and you start to wonder, well, what if somebody saw that? I feel so exposed. How do I put the lids on this stuff so that I can keep it over there (laughs) when I'm not worried about it? Mm -hmm. How can I, what if I close my eyes? Does it, does it go away? Why is this following me right now? What if I, what if I painted the walls so that nobody can see me and all they can see is my writing? How do I separate myself from that? Because I'm scared. I'm worried worried
0: and the line i'm just looking at and listening to what you're saying where it says what if someone finds all this yes what if someone finds all this and
1: that's that that's often a question for our journals isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, what if someone were to find this what 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 are we going to do with that jar challenges and says okay so maybe i'm not a jar what if i were a box would you prefer i wear a box because then you can't see through the walls but you can ship me anywhere. And then when I'm done being used, I'll be recycled. I'll be incinerated. I might even be burned. How do you feel about that? That's just not quite right. The me in the poem, the speaker, the send me a postcard, I feel is, is saying for right now, I want to take that because it's easier to imagine you getting hurt and destroyed jar than mm-hmm. it is to imagine that happening to me. I'm going to give in to my fears right now. Jar comes back to the worry jar and the questions that can come and, and the, the speaker of the poem is just like, well, w- why can't this play feel like play again? Why can't this be delicious and sweet again? Why can't this be like jam? jar reminds of the worries needing to go somewhere just felt the need to unpack this poem maybe for myself right now yeah. <laughs> but yeah. i don't normally do that but i just felt the need to to go on a little story journey i think that was for my own benefit but <laughs> thank you for indulging me
0: <laughs> well happy to and it's not uh, yeah i think sometimes the conversation just leads us so you went with it and i think worries do need to go somewhere just as conversations need to go somewhere but i also appreciate how the speaker here chooses Paris. so it's interesting choose but then we're followed again by a blackout so we may be choosing but something is happening regardless that that we aren't necessarily choosing right and so
1: this leads us to we talked earlier about being transported from one scene to another and in this case from act one the poem act one to the poem act two were transported from playfulness from from a relationship forming to act two where it's a lot of fear and worry
0: yeah and a lot of ways i think we could read this poem in different ways each time given where the the language is and how it lies and the tone and the, and the different nuances you could have and the way as with poetry line breaks work to give sort of a tilt or off-kilter kind of quality to depending on how the pacing thing is part of the reading right and how it's paced which i think always adds a freshness to poem or to any piece of writing because of the way that it can hold a space but be very different in each time that it brought to the forefront through the language of sound. Right. Last week, you talked about the importance of surrender because Jar
1: and the speaker were having some trouble deciding who was in charge. In act two, very much Jar is in charge. Jar is the one writing at the desk and the speaker is draping on a couch like psychiatry. And so how do we get in our own way sometimes to getting the work done? When we're engaged in the writing process, how do we get in our own way? And I know for me, it can be that the, the fear. It can be the worry that I'm entering into something that isn't what I want to take on or that I'm worried people will see or see a piece of me that I'm not ready for them to see. I think that... The other way that I get into my own way sometimes with the writing process is distraction. So I'm in a bit of a blackout period right now because my children's novel is done. I'm playing around with writing a poem here and there. I'm doing some other little things, but I'm not deeply engaged in a writing project right now. And so I'm allowing myself, maybe like your 60 days that you mentioned, to just be distracted for a couple of months and to play. But at some point... Because you've also mentioned the importance of this. For me to feel fully alive, I need to be engaged in, in a project that's meaningful to me. A creative project right now I'm comfortable in this place but if it goes on too long then I start worrying can I get back into it do I remember how to write who am I again do I want to write a poem am I a poet is still I don't know like you start to lose a bit somehow and I I don't know how to explain that part of the process very well
0: but I do know that I often get in my own way I think that's so true and sometimes we can overthink something and we just have to listen and in listening I I know that I've found in almost when I look back at the previous book, and if I listen to what's going on there, I'll find some little thread that will take me to where the next project will take me. But I'm looking at your poem again, Jessica, and I'm thinking about how the speaker says, I choose Paris. And in some ways that you can see that that, given what you've just shared, can almost be like a way of not facing that by almost wanting to leave the self to go somewhere else. But yet at the same time, that's almost just a way of putting off what the speaker will need to address at some point too, because the jar will continue to be there. And there will be that need to write, as you say, because it's so deeply entwined to to who we are as creators. But that sense of sometimes a trip or some kind of place of transition helps us get from A to B. Or It can be a place that we are moving to to avoid what we may know what we need to write about, but we aren't ready to face that as well. So Mm -hmm. it's really, it can be quite complicated, I think. But I think there's a moment there where these things kind of come to the forefront and then you're faced with a moment that in that blackout or in that sort of when the lights go on and that, that place of seeing either through the darkness or through the light that, okay, this is what I need to do and coming face to face to that moment and then just moving through to the next moment to find what that creative space is f- for you as a creator and moving into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right and letting go of the thoughts of failure, letting go of suppression, letting go of worries about loss and just being there in the moment to be transported if you're feeling safe and it's the right space and time to do so I think too but Mm -hmm. no I think you're I think Mm -hmm. you're right and with it ending with blackout again <laughs> it's temporary right like it's temporary well, so it is. you have this. It is. so you have this moment of fear and worry that comes in and everything that you thought you're ready to throw it all out like how many times has that happened where you've worked hard on something for a while and then you go back and you look at it and you go okay i blew uh, this is what i um, mean it ends up back in a box under the bed or or in the closet and you like that, i've done that a number of times and then you, you do need that blackout but then when you come back to it again with Fresh eyes when the lights come up again, you see something different in it. Your entry point into the work is different. I've found value too sometimes in having big projects and small projects on the go at the same time. So, having one large thing happening, like the children's novel I was working on, because that's my most recent big project. But then when I needed a break from it, I would turn to working on poems and try and with my pace with work at that time, I was just, even if I could write one poem a month, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Turning your creative attention to something else and then coming back can be really helpful too.
0: Absolutely. And even just sort of thinking about how we can just move into that space with a more playful attitude and be kinder to ourselves in those places. Because often when we do finish something as big as a book, whatever the book is, that's a huge undertaking. And I don't think we often celebrate those uh, achievements as much as we should because we're thinking, what's next? What's next? What should we do? Mm -hmm. Um, How will we be in this creative space? And it takes 60 days, right? And see what you do and whether you get 60 days or not. (laughs) Um, But even that sort of deliberate gap between A and B can be helpful as well or not. I think part of the whole journey is each project is so distinct and we as you say, change when we look at our work from the moment of when we're first in it to then when we have a gap and we look at it again and see it differently. We're constantly changing too. So blackouts are always temporary. And it's always about relationship. And like
1: any relationship that we have with a person, a project, a process, it's always in flux. I couldn't help but think when you were mentioning the 60 days again of the cliche, absence makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) (laughs) how how if we entered into our work with the time and attention that we might enter into a caring relationship i i wonder how that would impact and change things. And I'm also wondering, as we start to look towards next week, since we've done Act 1 and Act 2, there's one more act, Act 3. Where do you think it might go next? They're trying to find their way, this jar and this speaker. Right now, there's a bit of tension, I could say. (laughs) Quite a bit of tension. (laughs) but I think they would both recognize there's still work to do. So when the lights come up and we, transport from one scene to another and we look at next time and we've been following the writing process here a little bit right that when you first get the idea that surrender to that loss of control to to moving deeper into surrender in act two where you're really letting go of expectation and you're letting go of of your vulnerability really and then act three Mm -hmm. when we move into that next week i really see that as when it's time to just let go of of all of it What does that look like? Which leads us to like, how do you know when a project is done?
0: Yes. Now that's a big subject for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. We'll see you in a week. (laughs) Dig into that. We will. We
0: will. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. See you
1: then. Yeah. Catherine Graham is an award-winning writer and creative writing teacher living in Toronto. Jessica Outram is a Métis writer and educator, Coburg's fourth poet laureate, and a system principal of Indigenous education. The music has been generously provided by Shannon Linton. Connect with us online at hummingbirdpodcast.com.
0: No.